interrupt your program to bring you this important podcast. How to 911. Can you can you put me out of service on a podcast, please? Hi guys, welcome back to How to 911. I'm Sammy. I'm Erica. Um, today we're going to be talking to you guys about something that, again, Erica is the wealth of knowledge for this topic. Um, it's something that I don't think I can ever be what is it certified in or something like that mm-hmm. um it's what we call an ENP I don't even know what that stands for I'm sure I've been told several times but it sounds difficult so let's let Erica take it over here. <laughs> why thank you so ENP is emergency number professional and if you listen to our recording on Nina Apco this is the Nina version of APCO's RPL. Um, So ENP is emergency number professional and it's what it really is, is when you take it, it's going to be, it's just a test. And I say just a test, like I'm just a dispatcher. It's a really long test with um, months of studying. It's kind of like an SAT, ACT test if high schoolers still do that, but that's what I equate it to for 911 people. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about, and I'm getting this information from nina.org. If you have any questions or want to look more into it, you can head over there, but I'm just going to describe um, a little bit about what it is and then my uh, experience with it. So first I'm going to start with why a 911 dispatcher should be an ENP. And this is, again, from Nina's website. It says, ENPs are the leaders in the 911 profession. They receive significant discounts on conferences and events, and more management jobs now require you to have an ENP certification before you apply. So it can help you uh, while you're a dispatcher, getting discounts can help you to advance if you want to become a manager, supervisor, director. And it can be seen in some uh, agencies as prestigious, prestigious, whatever, however you want to pronounce it. Um, it's, it takes a lot of time and dedication to become an EMP. So it's um, a pretty cool thing. What becoming a EMP will also get you is you'll be able to demonstrate a mastery of the comprehensive knowledge base required for emergency number program management. So like being a director, supervisor, manager, it will help raise the industry standards and increase the respect and prestige of those involved in 911. And it also will show you, you can confirm your commitment to the 911 profession by showing yourself as a leader in public safety and pledging yourself to stay aware of the current issues and developments in the field. This started, where did I see it? I was thinking, Somewhere I saw 1992, and I can't remember if it was on Nina's website or anything. What I like about this last one is staying aware of current issues and developments in the field. If you became an EMP in 1992 and you just were allowed to keep your certification, a lot has changed in those 30 years. So we also have continuing education or when you recertify, you have to show that you were, you went to classes, you took um, tests, you went to conferences, all of those things. So you're not just staying stagnant in what you learned when you first took the test. Oh, there, uh, here we go. 
The NINA Executive Board first formed a certification committee in 1992 to explore the development of a certification program. Hmm. It went through a certification process through an executive board and what they recommended was to have these goals. They want to have a comprehensive body of knowledge for emergency number professionals. They want to have a standard of competence for ENPs. And they, again, want to ensure the awareness of current issues and developments in the 911 profession and want to encourage professional growth and enhance the self-esteem of ENPs. So that's some of the goals to, um, to become an EMP. As far as actually obtaining the certification, again, it's studying and having points, and I'm doing like air quotes. So they want, you have to have a certain amount of years of service. And then if you have points, uh, or I'm sorry, if you have uh, an associate's degree, a bachelor or graduate degree, you get points from there. And they also want to see if you like what classes you've taken or other conferences that you've been to. So I think when you start, you have to have 10 points. And with me, I have a bachelor's and then you can have a point for every year you've been a dispatcher up to four and then a couple of other things. And you can those other things could include holding a office or board position nationally or locally. And again, classes. Um, so once you take the test and you recertify, you have to have 24 points total. And that, so 60 year, including those years of service, your, I think you can still include your schooling and then you, so you have to make sure that you go to conferences and classes or present at those conferences, not just attend or write questions for the test. You get like a quarter of a point for five questions or something like that. Hmm. But, okay, so the, you can take the test four times a year, once, once each season. And then it's a, for me, it was, a testing site. Like, I didn't know that they, that this thing even existed, but it's in Fort Collins and it's like just like this random little building and you <laughs> sign up for the test that you want. And Becky and I took it the, at the same time. And it's like these other people were taking, I don't even know what, what you take these tests for. Like, I don't know, could you do critical there maybe? I don't know. So, yeah. We took this test and then it was like hours long. And I want to say like over a hundred questions and they tell you there if you pass or fail and then you get the official score oh my um, later in the mail. So like you go up to the, like the front desk person, they're like, okay, I'm done. They're like, okay, what's your name? And you give it to them. And they're like, boop, boop, boop. And I'm like, I'm going to throw up. I'm yeah. going to throw up. Like I, it's like. 50 50 and like it it wouldn't do any like if I didn't pass it wouldn't be a big thing but my like high school self that needs to pass everything I'm like <laughs> but I passed yeah, so that was fun cool. yeah but super so if you want to continue to be an EMP because it, you have to recertify every four years you can take that test again or you can 
accumulate the points. And I highly recommend just accumulating the points. So what you're tested on is what they, they give you a buck and that's the body of knowledge. And it's like everything that is 911. Mm -hmm. So I just pulled it up here online and it's, um, they have, so 911 operations accounts for 50% of the questions. And then it breaks it down even further than that. It has telecommute, sorry, telecommunications operations. So what hardware is being used to transmit a 911 call, an actual physical, I dial it on my cell phone, how does it transmit along these wires and these lines to the 911 center? So on here, it's talking about competitive local exchange carrier, the local loop, the copper and fiber optics, the coaxial cables. So like how it's, that's why I think it's, this is prestigious is because how many frontline people know about what the coaxial cable does? Or even what that cable is. Right? How it's yeah. even, like why we even need to, to know about it and what is a trunk line and what is a multi-protocol labeling switching. Now, to be fair, I would have to brush up on this a lot, but to have even to have that basic knowledge of the diagram of how a 911 call goes is really cool because you just think it's, I just would think that it was magic and it just like appeared, but it's, a, it's an actual physical thing that has to happen for us to get those calls. So that's part of it. Um, there's next gen information. There's information uh, like IT stuff. So databases um, of geography, the GIS kind of stuff, um, text messaging, social media stuff. It's, there's also a few questions on legislation and regulations. Uh, and then the other 50% is management. 20% of that is management or government functions like HR, financial stuff, planning, um, local disasters, or like there were questions about FEMA on there and how, who you'd have to contact if there was, oh, I don't know, a thousand year flood that happens in your city. Yeah. <laughs> Things like that. And then um, staffing and scheduling. So the management of employees and compensation and benefits, employee retention, training and development. And then also, I do remember this, um, questions on about legislation for the HR stuff. So the FMLA, uh, Americans with Disability Act, OSHA, COBRA, questions like that. So those were only the legislation questions, again, only 5%. So a lot of this focused on management of the organization and of employees and then information systems and telecommunications operations. So thinking about that and 
again, it's like the SAT of you could be tested on math from algebra to calculus or history from uh, 1800 to 2000. Good luck studying all of this. Yeah. But there, again, it's several months and they offer study guides and group sessions. I know that there was like a Larimer County group session uh, a while ago to, to have everyone who is going to become an ENP in the county get together and study. And Becky and I would get together and study. I, I think the evening before we kind of like crammed, like right. it was just like information in. Yeah. So yeah, then you take your test and then get recertified. And that's, that's a down and dirty of it. <laughs> down and dirty. <laughs> um, what does this knowledge like do for your work every day? Like, what do you, how do you think this helps you be a better dispatcher? I think I can understand. Um, I, I don't want to say mistakes, but like if something's misrouted, Mm-hmm. or um, something weird is going on, I can, I won't be like, oh, that's, that's odd. Or, you know, like brush it off. I can understand that there's an actual physical module thing that has to, um, has to know where an incoming call is supposed to be going. So if a call is misrouted all the time from a certain area, I understand that the technology, the actual hardware has to be moved or recalibrated or whatever for it to function better that's not necessarily like better customer service or anything but it kind of gives me a background on my job as a whole because I think a lot of us could go through our career of not delving deeper into any of that technology or just background on 911. So to have all of that is kind of makes me like a, like the holistic dispatcher, like overarching, a better, well-rounded dispatcher. Gotcha. Um, what did you mean? I know, I know what you mean by next gen, but what does huh. that mean for 911 in general? So next gen is next generation. 911, meaning what is coming next for us. When I first started, um, actually, let me check because, okay, I wanted to make sure that what I was going to explain is accurate and not me making it up. So, next gen is again just what is coming up for 911 in terms of new technology and how we get our information. When I first started, it our next gen 911 was phase two locations. And if you remember from our previous episodes, that is a Latin long, latitude, longitude on a cell phone, a -hmm. GPS location. So um, that was the next cool thing, next gen 911. Next gen now can be, and then at one point, I guess it was text messages and now it's video and Mm -hmm short clips sent to us or live video. So just anything that's the next thing that people or Apple decides that we need. Yeah. That we don't have the funding for exactly. Right. Like we're, 
we're reactive, not proactive, unfortunately. So text messaging became super cool and easy. And, you know, when I, I love, I love doing these, Sammy, when I get to go down memory lane and be like, when I started, yeah, <laughs> I had to pay per text message. Mm-hmm. And now if I did that, I, I don't know how many, like it was a nickel, a text message. Yeah. Like how many nickels I would send would be owing T-Mobile today because it just, it's so back and forth now. Um, so when that first started, who knew that we would be able to, to text people? Mm-hmm. Really, we have, to, it's, we have to think of, I'm on a soapbox now. We have to think of what else could we possibly do and how can we keep up with society to make sure that they're safe and we get the best information. Yeah. I can see the benefit of video, especially like text and I will kind of a similar thing of like somebody can't talk. Now they're able to like show us what's going on so that right. we aren't putting them in danger of like, can you get closer to figure it out? It's like, show me a video so I can see for myself. Right. Um, but that opens up so up a lot of doors for us as far as when it comes to like now we're witnesses to possible crime stuff like that and before we were just kind of like the third person and not exactly a witness so it it opens up a lot of questions at least for me which I have to work through on my own with my center is fine but um it's just when are we also going to get this funding to help support the changes in our technology because there's no way that what we have right now that we're going to be able to handle videos at least to my knowledge I'm in no part of that. Um, I guess that's more of a LIDA, the Larimer Emergency Telephone Authority's job, um, which is totally fine. I'll let them handle that part of their job. But it's just, it's interesting to me to see how that'll change for me. Because right now I feel like, I'm sure you felt this many times in your career where I'm like, ah, I think we're good with what we have. Yes. But then also knowing that like these changes are going to help the public. So like, why wouldn't I want those things to help the people right yeah and I was just thinking when you were talking about um what you could see uh, and I tend to think of it as a negative and I shouldn't but what if there was someone who was like I have no idea where I am I'm not from around here and we get those calls all the time and they're like but this is what I see and they're able to pull up their phone and be like oh cool since I'm from around here I know exactly where you are Oh yeah. I see Dairy Queen. I know exactly where you're yeah. at. Mm-hmm. So it's hard, but then there's always those, we have pocket dials. So then I'm thinking if I get a pocket right. dial, what am I, am I going to see someone's like inside pocket of their pants or people like accidentally like snooze their phone for too long. So like now am I going to invade somebody's personal space and see them sleeping? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so obviously yeah. I'm sure they're working through that on their own. And the questions that I have are probably irrelevant, but <laughs> I don't think irrelevant. I think we like to go to the extreme yeah because like I wonder I can't remember what I thought about when we were going to get text to 911 but I'm sure it was like oh we're going to get so many texts and whatever and then how many do we really get I mean if I get one every couple of weeks it's like oh look at that Mm -hmm. yeah and I I agree. I think it's hard because, I mean, not everybody knows still that we can text 911. It's been out for years. Right. Um, but 
I don't know. We'll see. And it's also like, I became a dispatcher personally because I don't want to see those things. I don't want to see the worst, the worst. I don't want to mm-hmm. see somebody in a very bad car accident, whatever other situations you may think of. But now we're going to have to have on top of all the other mental health trauma things that we deal with that we've talked about on previous episodes. Now we're going to have actual visual trauma that's mm-hmm. going to add to it, but still have that weird disconnect mm-hmm. because we're not there. So I'm not sure how that's going to hand how that's going to be handled by, I don't know, like therapists, psychologists, right? like how that's going to be handled through our brain processing it. It's, it's really weird to think. And it's kind of scary to think of like, I'm already affected by the job that I do and how much more can I take? Yeah. Or, you know, some people, you know? Yeah. And when we, we have like the luxury now of getting ahead of it and like what could we do to prepare ourselves and Mm -hmm. I hope that we do do that instead of sitting here a year or two from now and being like wow I've really seen a lot of car accidents this week and it's really taken a toll on me so yeah Yeah. it's hard I guess we'll have to see how it goes and we'll I'm sure tell you guys all about it (laughs) figure out how it works and start using it on our agency um yeah that's what else you got for us for ANP stuff oh I think that is it do you have any questions for me about like logistics or no I think for me personally you've explained it and it makes sense to me but I know that maybe our listeners don't have that pleasure or that pleasure that uh (laughs) privilege of understanding it as much as I do um like the way you're explaining it and stuff makes sense given the job that we work but if you yeah. guys have any questions obviously always email us uh how to 911 at cityofloveland.org and we will answer those questions for you again if we answer them it'll come from our personal emails so just make sure to look out for that and then um that's it I guess right yeah so then find us on social media at uh how to 911 podcast and then you can also find us on facebook at loveland emergency communication center and that's it until next time know where you are know your phone number and tell us exactly what happens